At Urban Farm Podcast, we are all about education, and April is Foliar Feeding Month. Have you heard of it? It is a super simple application of spraying liquid organic fertilizer on your trees and garden plants. The leaves, branches, and trunks are incredible at absorbing nutrients. And if your soil isn't great or your pH is off, foliar feeding is a quick and long-lasting fix to get your plants the nutrients they need. Want to learn more? Join us for our free online webinar on how to apply this amazing process to your gardens and fruit trees. Visit urbanfarm.org to sign up. That's urbanfarm.org. You're listening to the Urban Farm Podcast, your partner in the Grow Your Own Food revolution. Whether you've just been introduced to urban farming or you're a lifelong advocate, we're sure you'll leave feeling more informed, equipped, and empowered to dig deeper into the soil of your local food economy. With you every step of the way, here's your host, Greg Peterson. Today on the Urban Farm Podcast, we have Nathan Crane of the Panacea Community to talk about permaculture, urban farming, and a whole lot more. Nathan Crane is an award-winning author, inspirational speaker, and conscious filmmaker dedicated to helping make possible for every human being the possibility to live a healthy, sustainable, meaningful life. From addiction, dependency, jail, and homelessness to profound spiritual awakening, becoming a highly sought-after international entrepreneur of personal empowerment, Nathan found his life's purpose in helping people experience more health, joy, and fulfillment in their lives, dissolving harmful habits and mental attachments, and experiencing physical, mental, emotional, financial, and spiritual transformation. Nathan's newest film is titled The Search for Sustainability. Welcome to the show today, Nathan. Thanks, Greg. Uh, I'm super happy to be here. Thanks for having me, and thanks for putting together this wonderful podcast. Absolutely. So I shared a bit about you. Can you fill in the blanks for us and share more about the path that you took to get where you're at now? Yeah, sure. Um, you know, my path is, is a little bit uh, different than most people I talk with, except there's a lot of commonalities, I think, that people can relate to in terms of life experiences and what it means for each of us to awaken us to, you know, a more fulfilled sense of ourself. And for me, you know, my journey started really when I was about nine years old. Uh, I really <laughs> got into a lot of trouble as a kid. Um, I really felt lost in this world. I mm-hmm. felt really um, abandoned in many ways. I felt like a lot of the systems I was a part of, the education systems, the food systems, the healthcare systems, there was something wrong with it all. Like I just felt that internally, but I didn't know what it was. And, you know, my response to that was anarchy. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, you know, I ended up homeless at 15. Um, ended up addicted to drugs and alcohol, in and out of jail, um, many near-death experiences, arrested uh, quite often, kicked out of school, um, dropped out of school, you know, just on and on and on. I'm, I'm actually very, very lucky and fortunate to be alive today with, uh, you know, the, the many, many experiences of, of literally near death. Um, and so I'm super grateful for both where I am now and, and where I came from, because, uh, you know, I think that's an incredibly important part of our lives to know how these, you know, terminalist type of experiences can lead us to a better path if we're open to that. So, you know, at, at 18, um, I left that lifestyle. I drove over a thousand miles to California. Um, I ran out of gas in Oceanside and that's pretty <laughs> much where I started my life over. Wow. Uh, 
And from there, it, it uh, you know, I got involved in the corporate world. I moved up the ladder very quickly. I realized how, you know, I was making really good money at a very young age, six figure plus, and um, uh, I realized how insufficient that was for my well-being. Um, it not only affected me mentally and emotionally uh, with a lot of stress, but it affected my physical health. And I, you know, got very sick for a couple of weeks and mm-hmm. and realized I couldn't do that anymore. Um, and that led me to a lot of exploration, a lot of experimentation with health and healing, with cleansing my body. Um, I started experimenting with meditation and started studying and researching with many, you know, what I consider master teachers of life, people who have some great wisdom and experience, um, people from various backgrounds, people who uh, studied, you know, many, uh, you know, kind of religious scholar type people. And then I started experimenting with all of that myself. And that led me on to really the path I'm on today. It really opened my eyes to a whole different way of living, a whole different way of being, thinking, seeing the world. Um, it opened me up to so many more possibilities and put me onto a path of now, you know, where, where I can definitely say I have a sense of, of meaning in life, a sense of purpose, a sense of fulfillment. My health is higher uh, and better than it's ever been in my entire life. I have a beautiful family, two children and, and a wonderful wife. Um, our organizations are doing really well, and we've touched uh, well over a, a million people now around the world with different kinds of, you know, life-enhancing education. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, that's kind of a <laughs> a general overview of where I was and kind of, you know, how it led me to where I am now. But um, so you you said something a minute ago uh, when you were 15. I think you said something like you knew there was something wrong or or can you can you talk about that a little bit more? Yeah, I mean, it, it was even started younger when I was about nine. Um, I just I, I didn't fit in with the societal norms. I uh-huh. was a black sheep. I you know when I was in school, there was something about the one teacher at the front of the classroom who knew everything, and the kids all sitting in in perfectly square lined rows who knew nothing. And so we were supposed to sit there and receive all the answers from this all knowing you know God type figure. Mm-hmm. Um, yet when when I would find them wrong in their uh, sharing of information, and I would point it out, they were not willing to accept it or to even address it. Um, when I would come up with new ideas, like in, in English, um, you know, I, I've always loved writing, and I've written a few books now, and even in school I loved writing, and I would, I would debate with my English teachers mm-hmm. about new words and new grammatical structures, and these kind of, and they would give me, you know, you know, C's and D's and F's at first, and I'd have to, I'd have to stand up and go, look, who wrote English? How is English, you know, tra- I mean, who came up with all of the grammar that we know of today, and who decides those kinds of things? And right. so, you know, I've always pressed up against interesting um, these kind of societal systems that tell us this is the only way because we say so, and it's, right. that's never felt right to me. Yes, and that, now I understand why. It's just as a kid, it's like you don't know how to deal with that in in a positive. Or I didn't know how to deal with it in a positive, positive way, and, and and you know, good influential way. My my natural reaction was just um, was very negative. So yeah, the reason I mean that was one of the experiences. Yeah, yeah. The reason I asked you that was because when I was fifteen. This was 1975. I knew there was something inherently wrong about how we were living on the planet and how we were growing food. And, you know, how, I don't know how at 15 years old we know this stuff. It just, it was just there for me, you know? 
You know, I look at my uh, two-month-old son, uh-huh. and I look into his eyes and, and have, you know, uh, our own internal conversation, hmm, right. really, you know, of silence. And I can sense and see and feel the inherent wisdom that's within that soul, within that body. And, you know, any parent that looks into the, to the eyes of their child mm-hmm. um, can sense that wisdom. And yet, as we get into these, you know, um, the, the modern school systems we get into, they're not designed to help uh, cultivate w- wisdom within children. They're designed to dictate terms and definitions. Right. And, you know, that, that's kind of one of those things where I think as kids we know what's right and wrong inherently. We know, you know, this internal wisdom. We have this intuition. We have, uh, you know, we want to play. We want to have fun. We want to play in the dirt. We want to be outside. It's like, you know, we want to do these great fun things, and then we're kind of conditioned to do the exact opposite until we're, you know, in our 30s, 40s, and 50s. Right. Until Until we reawaken. Yeah, until usually, unfortunately, some you know devastating life experience <laughs> wakes us up to a whole new yeah. uh, question of okay, now what? You know, I didn't, I don't want to do what I've been doing. So now, what can I do differently that's going to make my life better? Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, the, how do you connect in with urban farming and permaculture? Um, I know we recently met each other at a conference at the Orm School where you were um, interviewing Toby Hemingway for your new upcoming series called The Search for Sustainability. So can you kind of frame all that out for us? Yeah, you know, when I, uh, about a decade ago or so, um, you know, I had a lot of health issues from my uh, childhood, and, and I realized I wanted to get healthy. So I stopped smoking, I stopped drinking, I stopped drugs, I stopped everything, I stopped even painkillers and ibuprofen and, and, you know, all of that, over-the-counter stuff completely quit and I said I want to get healthy so I started researching and experimenting with what does it truly mean to have very high level physical health because I believe that's an inherent quality mm. within all of us mm-hmm. we just you know our health gets destroyed because of the lifestyle choices we have consciously or unconsciously so I wanted to consciously take back control of my health and that led me down the path of organic food it led me down the path of uh, high nutrient dense superfoods. It led me down the path of cleansing and and really healing my body on a cellular level, and and that immediately, you know, when I start asking the question of okay, so what is the best way to get this high quality food into our bodies, and what's the way that we can assure ourselves that um, it is going to be the highest quality food with the highest nutrient density? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the immediate answer for me was well, grow your own food. Yeah. So growing your own food, so I, you know, we had a little place uh, in town in, in the city of Vista, um, a small little house uh, with just uh, maybe a quarter acre or so, uh, maybe even less than a quarter, like an eighth of an acre of land. Right. And, um, you know, so we started experimenting with growing our own food. We had some raised beds and we planted, I don't know, a couple hundred plants and berries and stuff and had a lot of failures with it, but started just wanting to get the experience of growing our own food, mostly for the benefit of health. Um, and the deeper I got into that, the deeper I got into, uh, you know, studying uh, cancer and healing cancer mm-hmm. in the body and studying diabetes and healing diabetes and studying, um, you know, the, the major life issues around the world, the poverty, the, the um, people dying from malnutrition, people dying from starvation, even people feeling insecure or feeling lost or feeling confused or without purpose. That all led me to this encompassing frame of sustainability, this entire mm. spectrum of sustainability. And yeah. so 
when when we hear sustainability, we usually think the ecology. We're usually yep. thinking about the planet, but really when we look at sustainability and this is what we did through our documentary series the search for sustainability was we wanted to look at sustainability in all facets of our life so we had 12 episodes and each episode went into multiple facets of sustainability so we interviewed politicians we interviewed business owners we interviewed uh, economists we talked about the economy and, and financial sustainability we dove into uh, business and politics uh, as well as the ecology permaculture biodynamics of course but then we looked at health what does it mean to have sustainable health relationships family schools education systems and i really wanted to dive into each of these subjects and say look if we're going to live on this planet in a meaningful way, in a way that's going to uh, leave a, a nice world for our future generations to be able to enjoy, not, not a you know, crumbling, toxic, uh, uh, polluted world, which is yeah. what the track we're on right now, then we've got to change uh, the way we look at everything we do. And so that was that journey, that search, and it opened up a whole new world for me because it's put me even on a deeper path of, you know, now I really, really want to become sustainable. Right. <laughs> and, and, and sustainable, uh, you know, the most basic definition of sustainability we can have is something that can continue indefinitely. So you can apply that to every part of our life. Can You know, eating Cheetos and fried fried hot dogs with you know sour cream and ice cream on top or something mm -hmm. is that sustainable for your health well <laughs> you know those are the kinds of questions we can ask ourselves with sustainability and that's you know so so the the series broadcasted um uh in november uh -huh. uh, and um and we had over a hundred thousand views on it in wow. two weeks um we've been invited to costa rica we're um so basically it just got amazing feedback people loved it. it it did really really well and so now we're doing a global version uh, we'll be traveling the world and in, in, in looking at sustainability in different uh, countries oh, nice. um, and, and looking at more practical things people can do um, including more on urban sustainability so mm -hmm. it definitely ties into your podcast here and that's you know that's not going to release until the end of 2016 um, but it's it's definitely been an incredible journey and we do we have left the first episode up for free at the search for sustainability.com perfect perfect how many series how many episodes are there well, they're basically like 12 films, so oh, they're about an hour long each, and there are 12 full episodes. I was told that you would be holding a conscious, sustainability-focused festival in September. Um, what is Unity Fest all about? Yeah, so uh, September 22nd through the 25th of 2016, um, Fest is really about uniting humanity to live more in harmony with the planet uh -huh. and live more in community with each other and live with higher uh, vibrancy and health and vitality and regenerate the land. So it's a sustainability festival that's focused on leaving the land better than we found it. It's also about making new connections, new friends, new relationships. It's about having an amazing time. It's a, it's a conscious music festival, so we'll have a lot of live music. We're going to have nice. ceremonies, so there'll be indigenous uh, ceremony. There'll be um, uh, various you know, tribal ceremonies. There'll be things that we'll be doing, meditation and yoga. It's really 
a festival focused on bringing people together for good cause. I'm calling it, you know, an amazing party with a, with a uh, sustainable purpose is really what it is. It's going to be a ton of fun, but we're also going to learn permaculture. We're going to learn biodynamics and we're going to do it. We're actually going to, you know, be working on the land and making a difference for the future mm-hmm. of our planet and for each other. And we're just going to have a ton of fun doing it. And where's it going to be held at? It's in Santa Fe, New Mexico, oh, uh, the land of enchantment. Yes. At, uh, this beautiful 200-acre preserved um, uh, grounds. It's called Las Golondrinas. It's actually a living museum, and they're in love with the festival. So they, they basically, that entire week, they've allotted for our festival to happen there. They're supporting it and, and strongly behind it. It's really an incredible place to be out on the land. It's a preserved um, uh, living environment <clears throat> well over 200 years wow. um, in, in culture that's mm-hmm. there. So the buildings are all earthen made and we'll be doing things like learning how to build uh, more sustainable buildings, uh, how to build you know outdoor ovens out of cob and adobe and mm-hmm. we'll be learning how to make uh, candles in the olden way you know um, right. that's sustainable and how to even make our own uh, iron forge iron by hand and wow. you know really cool stuff like that as well as we'll have leading visionary uh, lecture speakers and workshop teachers and keynote presenters as well so yeah Santa Fe New Mexico September uh, 2016 um, that website is Unify Fest. So Unify, like unifying humanity, mm-hmm. unifyfest.com. Perfect. Fantastic. It sounds awesome. So we, we kind of touched on permaculture, this notion of permaculture. Um, can you share a little bit about that? So, you know, when I interviewed Paul Wheaton, uh, he said something very, um, very true. He said, you know, if you ask a permaculturist, hmm. um, what permaculture is, you're going to get a different answer from, from everybody. Person. Yeah. But so, so my definition of it, it they're all the, related, but you know, my definition of it is emulating, learning to emulate a forest, learning to emulate mm, nature, learning right. to grow food and live sustainably in harmony with the planet in a very natural, regenerative way. So yeah. you, you can apply that in a backyard setting. You can apply that um, in many areas of your life. Um, ideally, you know, what permaculture is, is it's looking at systems um, of living on the planet in a more harmonious, integrated, regenerative way. Yeah. I like that word regenerative. It's, uh, it's different than sustainability. Yeah. I mean, you know, when I, when I talk about sustainability, I'm, I'm, I'm referring to, um, you know, regenerating the land, yeah. uh, you know, some, because for something to continue indefinitely it has to regenerate itself right. so so regenerate in the true definition of sustainability regenerate is inherently in the meaning of sustainability but you're right so regeneration or regenerative farming or regenerative uh, uh, sustainability uh, it, it helps us look at things a little bit differently because we start thinking of okay if I'm gonna plant this apple tree and so here's a classic example right like a permaculture guild uh-huh. for those who don't know let's say typically you start with the central species let's say like an apple tree so right. um, say you have an eighth of an acre right so you plant an apple tree now you want to help the environment to be as naturally regenerative as possible so you're going to plant things around that apple tree uh, that are going to help it thrive, you know, not only survive, but thrive for many years to come. Mm-hmm. So traditionally, 
you plant an apple tree and then every year you got to fill it with compost you got to fill it with um, uh, you know different kinds of uh, amendments and manure and, and wood chips and stuff if you want it to survive well look nature will do that for you so one of the things you can do is um, under your apple tree plant some kind of berry bush you know plant uh, blackberries or raspberries mm-hmm. or something along those lines so you're going to have uh, the shade of the apple tree is going to help a naturally a natural environment to shade the berry bush and you're going to have more food per square uh, inch in this case or square right. foot really yeah. um, and then you know maybe a little bit maybe a few feet away you're going to plant some kind of legume tree like a honey locust mm-hmm. and what the honey locust is going to do is it's going to drop a lot of natural nitrogen um, so it's going to fertilize it for you both through the root system and when you cut it down and you layer it with mulch it's going to provide carbon and nitrogen together right so now you're not adding amendments and you're getting it naturally from something like a locust um, you know you're going to plant um, certain flower species and certain grass or herbal species that are going to bring in the pollinators they're going to bring in the bees and the butterflies which is going to help your apple tree produce more because they're going to naturally be attracted there I mean people think you know we're, we're kind of taught like okay just plant this tree and and everything else is going to take care of it well, not in the modern conventional way of, of growing. It doesn't happen. But if you go into a forest and you look at how a forest thrives, it, nobody has to go out there and do anything. <laughs> to it. They don't have to water it. They don't have to prune it. They don't have yep. to plant. It just happens. And so you're emulating that. Um, Comfrey is a really great plant to yeah. have in a permaculture guild because it's a it's a dynamic accumulator. It sends deep roots down. It's going to pull up nutrients, nutrients. from the soil and make yeah. them biodynamically available to the roots of the trees around it. Um, and then you can keep extending this guild out where it connects with other guilds of other kind of um, um, uh, you know, designs that you have. And that becomes really fun when you start designing your living space using permaculture principles. Um, it, it, it becomes very creative. It's a natural part of our creative process. It's actually very fun. Absolutely. So you, you mentioned the word guild a few times and you kind of pointed at it, but you didn't define it. Can you come up with a, do you have a definition for that? Um, you know, my definition is, is really, um, a group of organisms or species or plants living symbiotically um, together, yeah, right? Perfect. So th- they're supporting each other. A great example of that is the, the Native American corn beans and squash. Yep. Most everybody's heard of corn beans and squash. Marjorie Wildcraft, who you know is doing uh, homegrown food summits coming up, she talks, when I interviewed her for our series, she said, you know, she's, she calls it the four sisters, right? It's uh, corn beans and squash and Marjorie because <laughs> <laughs> You know, it needs her as well. So she's yeah. a part of that. She's nice. a part of that guild. So, um, yeah, I mean, a very basic example, corn, beans, and squash. They all grow well together. They support each other. And, and they're symbiotically um, uh, supported. Together. Yeah. So you mentioned Marjorie Wildcraft's Homegrown Food Summit. You're going to be speaking there. Can you tell us about what you're going to be speaking on? Yeah, it's a great summit. Marjorie's done an amazing job with it. I'm super happy to be a part of it. And, you know, we're going to be talking about a lot of the things I learned while filming for our documentary Mm, series. So some of the places we went, some of the greatest things that I saw, some of the failures that I saw and mistakes, as well as some of the great achievements, as well as, you know, what practical things can people do living in an urban environment or living in a suburban or 
in a rural environment to, you know, some very basic, simple, but also powerful things people can do to grow their own food. We talk about this amazing permaculture farm that is like over 20 years established um, and a lot of things. So we're going to be covering a lot during my interview on the summit and um, and I think it's going to be really beneficial for folks. Yeah, I'm really excited. She does great work and, and I'm really excited for that summit to come up at, coming up here in March. So I'm going to shift a little bit for, on you and um, can you talk about a time that you failed and how you overcame that failure, what you might have learned from it? <laughs> That's a great question. Yeah. I've got about 3,000. Um, <laughs> uh, so hopefully we've got a few hours here. <laughs> there you go. You've had, so you've had 3,000 learning experiences, right? At least. Yeah. At least. I've failed so many times. And, and you know, it's one thing that I teach in ter- in, to a lot of people. Um, uh-huh. I share with as many people as I can is do not be afraid of failure. I mean, I've failed so many times. I've been homeless three times in my life. Wow. Uh, I was homeless at 15. I was homeless at 18. And I was homeless again somewhere between 19 and 20. And, you know, you could call all of those failures, right? Living, mm-hmm. not knowing where my next meal is going to come from, not having more than $2 a day, not having enough money to even put gas in a vehicle to go anywhere mm-hmm. or, or get a bus ticket. Um, those can be very scary experiences. But for me, they've been incredibly eye-opening experiences. They've been very rewarding. You know, It all depends on the mindset that we have when a life experience hits us from behind and we can we have two options always we can look at it as this is a terrible devastating thing that's happening to me that shouldn't be happening right which is always going to lead you down a path of inner self destruction and it's never going to help you be uh, rewarded or come out of that in any positive way or have a learning experience like mm-hmm. you just said or the other option is we can look at it like okay this is life throwing me a curveball and it's giving me an opportunity to learn something new to wake up to change something about myself and to become a better person and i found through all of my failures i mean failed companies um, failed investments failed mm-hmm. life experiences failed relationships um, that really i mean obviously we all relate to the word failure i don't even like to call them failures because Really what they were is they were stepping stones. Yeah. Every failure in our life is a wonderful stepping stone to help us get to that next level of of ourselves, of our fulfillment, of our purpose. And if we look at it that way, it's not, you know, it's not a hippy dippy kind of thing where yeah, we're all, you know, um believe in uh, something crazy that might not be true or whatever. It's like, no, this is this is real. I mean, thousands of experiences to wake us up it can't not be real. Um, And if if we look at it that way, that, okay, great, there's a learning experience. It's going to wake me up. It's going to give me new opportunities. It's going to give me new learning experiences. What can I learn from this situation right now that's going to improve the quality of my life and improve the quality of the lives of the people around me? The answers that come to us are incredible and the yeah. opportunities and the doors that open for us are amazing and I, I mean I'm a, I'm a testament to that and I know many people who are as well perfect so what do you consider your biggest success you know I I have many goals and ambitions and dreams and visions and I I um, for me that's never-ending um, and while I have a lot of successes in a lot of areas you know I've been blessed to be able to travel the country with my family and and spend many days off grid and learning from people who are living sustainably and I've been blessed to help um, you know millions of people around the world to have access to 
to you know higher levels of education. I've been blessed um, uh, both with homelessness and financial stability. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, I've been blessed with many, many things, which many of those we could consider uh, successes. But I think the greatest success is yet to be, and that mm-hmm. is um, uh, uh, two things. One is Unify Fest, which is uh, the Conscious Festival coming up in September because it's that's I basically put almost everything else on hold to focus on that right um, all of our other events that we do throughout the year we're just doing a couple now and focusing all of our energy on that festival and the really the bigger part of that festival is to help build a sustainable school and eco community here in Santa Fe called Eucadia like you you Cadia like paradise or living paradise um, and the, the, the purpose and intention of Eucadia is to create a truly sustainable living environment, community, and school that is applying all these principles that we're learning through um, the search for sustainability, uh, Unify Fest, and different uh, teachings of permaculture and biodynamics and community living um, in, in a sustainable way, in, in a regenerative way, and in a way that honors both the land and the spirit, uh, the spiritual realm as well as the physical realm, um, and brings all that into a cohesive, very bonded, very real, very grounded experience. So while I think you know I've had a lot of successes, I think my greatest successes are still yet to come. Nice. Well put. I, you know, because, yeah, well put. So what drives you? Well... It's a good question. I receive a lot of sense of fulfillment from the emails I receive, uh, people's faces whose lives are, who show me in their face that their lives have been changed, mm-hmm. the, the voices, the people who call and comment and post, and, and the people that I meet, that when they come to uh, one of our events, they watch our documentary, they get involved with our community. Um, I mean, literally, I have thousands and thousands of, of, you know, we would call them testimonials. I just call them, you know, people sending me their positive messages of how the work that we're doing literally is changing their life. It's yeah. giving them hope. It's giving them sense of meaning. It's giving them new practical tools to live more in harmony with the land and with each other. Um, and every time I read an email, every time I get a phone call, every time I meet a person whose life's been changed because of that, to me, I think that's probably one of the deepest things that drives me. I think it's, I think it's an inherent human gifts that we all have that will drive us is if we step outside of our selves and start looking at how can we help other people? How can we be a beacon of hope for people around us? What difference can we make in other people's lives? Whether it's, you know, one or two or, or a million, it doesn't matter. But being able to support somebody else in their life to live a better life um, gives us a natural sense of fulfillment. And I don't think there's anything greater than that in this world. Wow. Wow, well said. So I'm all about education, and I have to know, is there one book that's been influential on your path? Yeah, there's been a lot of books. I mean, at different stages in my life. When I was in high school, I think I was a junior in high school, and I was going through all that turmoil I was going through. I didn't have any hope. I didn't know any other kind of life. Um, I read uh, Malcolm X, Oh wow! And, mm-hmm. and it changed my life. It opened me up, and it said, look, if this guy can change his life and this guy can get out of the depths of hell mm-hmm. <laughs> and do something good um, maybe I can too so that was that was an amazingly life-changing book for me um, there's been a lot of others too more recently in the last few years this is a, a book series that I would recommend to every single person who wants to 
live at any higher level of, of spiritual and harmoniously earthly connected life is called the Ringing Cedars series. Oh, yes. Um, the first book is called Anastasia. Yes. And, yeah. and it's a eight or nine book series. Yep. I'm, on, I'm on my second time through it now in the last wow. three or four years. It's just, it's incredible. That's got to be one of the greatest series I've ever read in my life. Say a little bit about the author. Yeah, Vladimir Megre, he's a man from Russia who was a businessman, entrepreneur, um, you know, very disconnected from spirit, very disconnected from the land. He just really cared about money. He was very materialistic. And this is a true story. He met this recluse woman in the taiga forest of Russia, and she flipped his whole world upside down. Right. She's an incredibly um, spiritual being from a long lineage of people who've lived, uh, you know, well over a hundred years old. And, um, and there are documented, um, cases of small groups of people in Russia who, you know, live this way completely just beyond sustainable, you know, mm-hmm. completely right. in harmony right. with the planet. And she basically told him and said, look, you know, you're going to write nine books. You're going to make millions of dollars doing it. But really what you're going to do is, is, the world you're going to change yeah. people's hearts um and he said no way you're crazy i've never written anything in my life <laughs> and uh you know long story short nine books later i think they've sold over 10 million copies worldwide right. um and it does i mean anybody who reads that series it, it will change your life it'll change your heart it'll change your mind it'll give you so many amazing uh insights and awakening moments um it's just it's such a beautiful series i mean i really I, I feel the day that um, I can go there and, and meet her <laughs> and, yeah. and hopefully uh, do an interview with her to bring her essence to the world. I think this world really needs more of that, more of that. kind of, yeah. that kind of energy and yeah. wisdom. Definitely an extraordinary series. So what one final piece of advice do you have for our listeners? Grow your own food. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever you can do. Um, I, I think there is, I think, and, and bring in a spiritual component into that part of your life. Um, whatever that means for you. For me, it's recognizing and honoring there is a higher power. There's a, there's a higher dimension of, of very well organized and very beautiful energy orchestrating all of this if we allow it into our lives. And whether it's growing food, you know, herbs in your windowsill or it's, you know, getting involved in a community garden or, you know, getting a community garden started at your kid's school um, or getting together with your neighbors and using a little plot of land to grow some food. You know, just that practice of getting uh, our hands dirty again, touching the earth again, honoring where our food comes from, realizing that it's the food that nourishes our body, but it also nourishes our mind and our emotions and our spirit. Um, poisonous, toxic, genetically modified, conventionally grown food is toxic for the body and it's toxic for the mind. And so, you know, if you want to live a healthier life, more sustainable life, get involved in any way in growing your own food and supporting uh, the people around you that grow their own food. It means spending a couple extra dollars here and there at your co-op or at your farmer's market to support local farmers to keep growing uh, organic, healthy food where you spend your money is what tells the industry what we want. So every dollar I spend is telling our industry what I want. If I go to Walmart and I buy tons of plastic cheap crap, I'm telling the industry, make me more plastic cheap crap that's gonna yeah. poison the world. You know, or if I go to my um, local co-op and buy from people who are making things locally, organically, ethically harvest, these sorts of things, we're telling the industry we want more of that. And the more we do that, uh, the more 
demand goes up, the more people making it, the lower the prices are going to be. Yeah. So yeah, we got to spend a few extra dollars here and there, but it's going to change um, the more people that start doing it. So yeah, fantastic. Well, thank you so much for joining us on the show and sharing your experience with us. Nathan, it's been just a thrill chatting with you. Um, how can our listeners get a hold of you? Um, I would say, well, first, Greg, thank you. I mean, this has been great. You have a wonderful podcast here. I'm really grateful to be a guest on your show. And, thank you. Uh, you know, keep up what you're doing. This is really wonderful. And you know, thank you to all the listeners, too, for tuning in. Um, there's a couple ways to get in touch with me. Um, NathanCrane.com. Uh, I have a newsletter that goes out weekly and also unifyfest.com. We have a newsletter there yep. about the festival and, and all the work that we're doing there. Um, and also I, I, you know, I jump on Facebook once in a while. So, um, you know, you can find me on Facebook too. Excellent. Thank you so much. That's it for today. Thank you for joining us on the Urban Farm Podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Urban Farm Podcast. Remember to listen three days a week for tips, advice, and resources to help you on your journey with urban farming. You can find us on the web at urbanfarm.org or send us an email to podcast at urbanfarm.org. In the words of Vincent Van Gogh, great things are done by a series of small things brought together. Be encouraged that with each lesson learned and skill developed, you are one step closer in the direction of your dreams. One of the first things that many of us learn when we start to garden is how to water and fertilize the soil. But there is an exception to this rule and it's called foliar feeding. You should foliar feed or water the leaves of your plant with liquid fertilizer when you want certain nutrients to be absorbed better. Not only are the leaves great at uptaking liquid fertilizer, if your soil isn't very good or your pH is off, foliar feeding can help your veggies and fruit trees quickly get the nutrients they need to thrive. If you're ready to start foliar feeding for maximum growth yields and quality, head on over to urbanfarm.org forward slash feed the leaves to see our selection of foliar feeding products. That's urbanfarm.org forward slash feed the leaves.